0: big picture here, Jeff. Seven games into the Vikings schedule. They have a massive lead in the division. They made a dramatic pickup at the trade deadline of a very good player from a division rival, TJ Hawkinson. The Packers did nothing. The Bears traded people away and the Lions obviously traded people away. Uh, It's always dangerous in sports to assume anything. But you know, So we can't just say they've won the division, but man, I, I, it's, it's remarkable just how good a shape they're in already.
1: Yeah, it truly is. I think you're absolutely right. Who would have ever saw a three-and-a-half-game lead after seven games? Not, not me and not you, I don't think. And Nope. It's, it's certainly a pleasant surprise for, for the Vikings organization, players, coaches, fans, owners. And yeah, I think they're in great shape and doesn't seem to be any fall off in their play. And I think they've got a good opportunity this week going to Washington, even though the commanders, I have a hard time getting used to that name, Jim, but the commanders have won three in a row and it is a dangerous game. And you, you could theoretically say it, it's a possible trap game because next week they have Buffalo at Buffalo. A premier team in the league, but I just don't see Kevin O'Connell allowing the the Vikings to look ahead a week. I, I don't see that happening, and so yeah, they're in, they're in great shape, phenomenal shape, six and one. And you just figure, what ten games to go? You go five and five, you're going to have eleven wins, <laughs> and and that's going to be enough to win the division. And if they go seven and five or eight or 7-3, uh, or and three, for example, <laughs> and get to 13 wins, they could be a number one or number two seed. So they are certainly in great shape. And it's exciting to see how quickly the team has developed and that they've got players playing well, staying relatively healthy. There are obviously always some warning signs and injury-wise and Irv Smith Jr. goes down. But then they go out and get T.J. Hawkinson, a former eighth overall pick in the draft. A little bit of concern with Tomlinson's calf, and we'll see how quickly he can come back. He's been playing very well on that defensive line and a big factor against the run that was really good against the Cardinals and held them to only 78 yards rushing. So there's a lot of good things happening. There are always going to be injuries you have to deal with, but overall the team's been very healthy and head to Washington now for Kirk Cousins' reunion game. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so we have so much to talk about here, so many different angles. Uh, this is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL insider. Jeff, of course, the former Vikings general manager and president of the Tennessee Titans when they came within a foot of winning a Super Bowl. So you've made a lot of uh, – you, you were an aggressive general manager. You made a lot of moves. How, do you, how did you balance you know what your current team needs versus what future teams might need, and how do you see Quezio Doffo Menta handling that challenge?
1: Yeah, I think the really interesting thing that he's doing that I never did was trade within the division. right? And in in this particular case to get Hawkinson, that's more on the Lions (laughs) to allow one of their best players to go within the division, as opposed to, I thought on draft day, when the Vikings made the move that allowed the Lions to draft a premier receiver, I thought that was a little questionable. And then they trade with the Packers with draft picks, but Today's GMs think a little differently, and so be it. But I, I think the Hawkinson pickup is a really good move. I think that the Kwesi is shaking out pretty good in year one, and you, you really need to look no further than the signing of Zadarius Smith as as just a premier pre-agent signing for this team that has worked out in and certainly, it was not with it, it had some risk going in because he'd missed most of last year with that back injury. But he's playing at an all pro level. He's got five sacks in his last two games, three sacks last week against the Cardinals, against Kyler Murray. He's not an easy guy to sack, including the virtual game clincher. Now, yeah, they've been playing some banged up offensive lines the last two weeks. We know that. and And Washington, for that matter, not great. Uh, against in pass protection they've they've allowed 26 sacks this year so there could be opportunities this week when sidario smith daniel hunter and company are chasing uh another ex viking quarterback taylor heineke but yeah i think that quasi has shown he's got he's got the guts he's got the the nerve to make these deals take the risk which to trade within the, the division to sign a A guy coming off a major injury is Z'Darrius Smith, and that has played out fantastic for them so far. Now, as we know, we're only seven games in, and Z'Darrius, he's battling a knee from week to week, but he's still showing up on the field. I think one of the interesting things is going to be how are they going to manage some of these guys as they go forward, especially with a big lead in the division? Are they going to start maybe throttling down a little bit on some of the the snap counts? for guys like Z'Darrius Smith, Daniil Hunter, Dalvin Cook, some of the guys who've had injury problems in the past. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But meanwhile, you got to win week to week. And as we said, a good opportunity going into Washington, Washington, but it's not going to be easy because – the commanders have been playing well. And I think the, the matchup that concerns me this week, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through the show, but the matchup that really concerns me is that, again, that interior Vikings offensive line that's, that had some issues against the Cardinals. And we saw Ed Ingram, the rookie guard, get, ha- have some real trouble with J.J. Watt, for example, and J.J. also beat Bradbury once. And now you, you face a team in Washington that has three first-round picks on the defensive line, in Jonathan Allen, who's a Pro Bowler inside, who I expect to be lined up over Ingram a lot. And they better give Ingram some some more help than they did against Watt. You got Darren Payne. Both Allen and Payne have four and a half sacks each. And Montez Sweat is a, a first-round former first-round pick at defensive end, and. I'm sure they're hoping that Chase Young, who's a former number two overall pick and coming off an ACL and he just returned to practice, Ron Rivera said, we'll see what happens this week. I don't think he'll be able to play this quickly, but who knows? Because the commanders know that they've got Philly next week and they probably figure if they can get over 500 with a win against the Vikings, Washington's four and four, that would help them going into Philly next week.
0: No doubt. Hey, I want to get more into the Hawkinson trade and what it means for this organization. I want to thank our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakesuperstore.com, and Platinum Bank. Thanks also to our producer, Brian Burdett. Go to TalkNorth.com to check out all of our other shows, including the Viking Update Show, which is John Krasinski and myself, two people who have been watching and covering the Vikings for decades, uh, kicking, kicking stuff around. Thanks for listening to the network. We really do appreciate it. Uh, so, the Hawkinson deal to me is fascinating on a lot of fronts. Number one, you know, obviously, as you said, it's Quezzy being very aggressive when he has a a good team uh, on a roll. Number two, trading within the division. You've already talked about that. Here's what I think is really fascinating is Irv Smith has had injury problems. And when he's been healthy, he's been, you know, pretty good. But he hasn't been the dynamic force they had hoped he would be. How much of this do you think is just getting a good player when he can get him? How much of it is potentially, Hawkinson becoming their number one uh, tight end, even if Irv Smith comes back healthy later this year
1: or next year. I I think the interesting thing is Irv Smith Jr. is in his last year of his contract. So, I'm sure what they're going to do is watch how it unfolds the rest of this year. Hawkinson's got a big cap number next year, and he'll be in line for an extension fairly soon. And Irv Smith Jr. should be back later in the season. So, that, to me, is the interesting thing. I don't see them keeping both of those guys. and but, but how much value, how much of a attention will Irv Smith Jr. get in the free agent market when he's had some injuries this year, he's had production. And we know there are Viking coaches around the league, guys like Kevin Stefanski, who know Irv Smith Jr. and know the kind of talent he's got. I think he's a very talented guy. And the injuries have held him back a little bit. The other interesting thing to me is when they let Tyler Conklin go in the offseason and he signs a, a deal with the Jets that, that was very affordable long-term, I think, for the Vikings, which was around $20 million over three years. And now they get Hawkinson, who may be more expensive and certainly was a higher draft pick. But I, I don't know. He, he hasn't really blown the doors off in Detroit He's been a good player, now maybe with better talent around him and a better quarterback in Kirk Cousins compared to Jared Goff. I think that maybe Hawkinson can emerge as an even more successful player and be big in that intermediate passing zones, especially with Jefferson and Thielen taking a lot of attention uh, attention away from Hawkinson. So I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch What happens at the tight end position for the Vikings? But clearly, when Earthsmith Jr. is going to be down for whatever, six, seven weeks, eight weeks, this is a great pickup. And for a second-round pick for a guy who was a top-ten pick overall, I, I think it was definitely worth it. But as with all trades, we'll see how it plays out. Sure.
0: Uh, let's get into Cousins' return to Washington and whether Washington should have held on to Cousins instead of going through the quarterback uh, inferno they've gone through. First, though, let's uh, let's hear from Jeff on
1: White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC. My longtime friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gatrell, and their fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and with their super-friendly premium team, check out their great website, Superstore.com, and you'll see 3.99% APR on 2022 Buick SUV models and GMC Sierra 1500s and GMC Terrains with great purchase allowances. Check out the all-new next-generation GMC Sierra 1500 and reserve yours now and explore the GMC Sierra HD and don't wait, reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They're a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at Superstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, always happy to talk about Platinum Bank. Wonderful sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder and have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive Vice President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.PlatinumBankMN.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream.
0: Now that Cousins is 6-1, and one, going back to Washington, uh, not having his best statistical season, but making big plays when needed, uh, do you think Washington's former brain trust regrets letting him go?
1: Yeah, I would say they probably do because of the, I, I, I would say the, I don't want to call it turmoil, but just the constant changing of starting quarterbacks in the last few years and... Carson Wentz really hasn't panned out this year. And now Taylor Heineke is in the lineup. And it's just been kind of back and forth in Washington over the last few years. And, and Kirk, meanwhile, has been a consistent quarterback, has been a, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback in Minnesota. He, Yeah, he's not top, maybe top eight or so in the league. We know that. But he's still in that 10 to 15 range. And, and I think he's playing well right now but he is has been a little inconsistent this year, and I think you can really say that's because of the new system and learning the new offense, and he even admits he's not where he was in the old offense yet, but he's still making good plays. I, I thought one of the big moments in the Arizona game was when he had the the courage and fortitude to throw up that 29-yard pass to Justin Jefferson who was very well covered and let J.J. go up and and make a play on the ball and that was a huge play in the game at that point the cardinals had taken the lead 17-14 and it's a third and 5 if the vikings go have to punt at that point who knows what happens cuz the cardinals have momentum so that was a huge play in the game set up the touchdown that that put them ahead to stay and and i think cousins yeah he he certainly benefits from a great supporting task he's got dalvin cook who is now increasing his productivity, coming off his first 100-yard game. Obviously Jefferson is elite. Adam Thielen is still a top receiver. K.J. Osborne makes plays when he has opportunities for the most part. And now the tight end position has been solidified. The, the concern still is on that offensive line. And we, as I talked earlier, going into this game against a bunch of number one picks on the Washington defensive front and then facing Buffalo, who is one of the top defenses in the league, too. So I think it's a really good stretch. And then after that, they got Dallas. These next three weeks, they're facing some pretty stout defenses, and that's going to be a, a big challenge for Kirk and the offense. But meanwhile, if the defense can continue to turn, force turnovers, make plays, stay top ten in turnover ratio, right now they're ranked second in the league, tied for second at plus six. And among the leaders in takeaways – in the NFL, that's that's a great formula to get you wins. And you think about Cousin, you say, yeah, his rating his is ninety point seven. It's below. He's always been around a hundred, hundred to hundred and five. But if you, if you take out the Philly game where he right. threw the th- the three picks, beyond that, he's only had two interceptions in the other six games this season. So that so far is the anomaly. The, the Philadelphia performance that he had, and now he's going to step on some bigger stages facing Buffalo, facing Dallas, then a Thanksgiving night game against New England, and Belichick's always going to throw some stuff at you. So there are some tough games coming up, but I think Kirk is playing pretty well. He started out last week really sh- kind of shaky, even though they, they they scored their first drive TD that they always do in the last few weeks, which is great to get off to that lead. Three of the four f- last four weeks they've had a touchdown on that first drive, which which also speaks to the kind of the game planning that that O'Connell does and Ed Phillips, but. Kirk was had a couple of high throws early and looked looked really shaky, and then he settled down and made some good plays down the stretch. Made a great throw to Osborne for that corner touchdown, and you had to love the the 17 yard touchdown run he made, diving to the to the right pylon. That was a play. I'm not sure he would have made that play a few years ago.
0: No doubt about it. Um, so let, let's get into uh, the NFC North. The Lions trade away one of their best offensive players. The Bears have traded away their two biggest-named defenders. Even, and they had to chase Claypool, but I think that was more uh, a future move. And Tomlin has, has been sick of Claypool for a long time, so that he, they were looking to get rid of him. They got him at a reasonable price. The Bears basically gut their defense in the middle of the season. And the Packers make no moves to improve their team
1: while chasing the Vikings. Uh, what do you read into all of that? I thought the really interesting thing was that the Bears – essentially stole Claypool when the Packers were rumored right. to be the team that was really in the hunt for him. Yeah. And then ultimately it, it came down to the Packers didn't want to up the ante and and the bears. I'm sure the Packers were also willing to give up their second round pick that the bears gave up, but Pittsburgh judged and I think correctly so that the bears number two will be a, a better number two than the Packers number two next year. And so they make the deal and Claypool, is pilfered right now from under the Packers. I, I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers is, is really thrilled with what's been going on there at the receiver position, starting with the loss of, of Devontae Adams. That's had just a, a huge effect on this team this year, and they're, they're just not playing great offensively, even though they've got a, a, a good running game, and Aaron Jones had a big game last week. But the Packers just are just not in sync totally offensively. Rodgers is not making plays down the field, not throwing the deep ball that he's been so good at. And, and meanwhile, their defense has not been playing great either in Green Bay, which is a bigger surprise to me even because they've got so much talent on that defense. And I'll, I'll go back to, I think the Packers probably regret letting Z'Darrius Smith go <laughs> because I always felt as a GM, one of the great things you can do when you're in free agency, is sign a, a, a premier player within your division because it's a twofold effect: you're improving your team and you're weakening your prime opposition. And I think that's exactly what's happened with the Zedaria Smith signing here in Minnesota. That it's weakened the Packers up front, and and Smith Zedaria Smith is having an All Pro season here. That that's got a sting too in Green Bay. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the other teams are in effect, saying, well, I'm not saying the Packers are doing that, but the Bears definitely, by trading Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, that that their new GM polls is just kind of saying, well, we're looking to the future. And, yeah, we like we like Claypool because our receivers, beyond Mooney, were, were shaky. I think that's a good pickup for them if Claypool plays well. But for the Packers not to do anything, that really is not – playing out well with the fan base, with the media, and I'm sure within the locker room too. No doubt about it, yeah.
0: Hey, let's do some uh, NFL picks and talk about the league as we go through them. Let's start with Green Bay at Detroit. Uh, Do you think the Packers – listen, the Packers have had other slow starts and they've rallied before. We had the relaxed season. Uh, We've had seasons where it just took them a while to get their offense rolling. To me, this year feels different. Uh, They're about to play at Detroit – you know They should win that game, but they're kind of buried in the division. What do you make of their chances at this point?
1: It, it would not shock me if they got upset this week. The, the Lions had the Dolphins on the ropes last week with, with Tua back in the lineup. And Miami rallied to win. So Detroit, they could well pull the upset this week. I, I would pick Green Bay, but I would not be surprised if the Lions were, were to pull this one off. Kind of similar to when the Vikings went in there late in the season last year. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I,
0: I think the, I, <laughs> I think the Lions are a depressed team in a depressed market with a bunch of depressed fans. I think the Hawkinson trade, especially. Social media, boy, they just—it's—it it, is a white flag for that team. They're not anywhere near as good. They thought this is going to be a breakthrough season. They're just bad again. I think the Packers win that one. Rams at Tampa, two teams that are underachieving right now. Uh, the last two Super
1: Bowl champs. What do you see there? Very surprising to have the three and four Rams going to play the three and five Bucks. And yeah, the I think both teams have had injury problems. And the Rams' offensive line is, is clearly not what it was. Stafford has struggled because of that. Their running game's not great. Cooper Cup doesn't have enough help without OBJ there, and I think OBJ will get there eventually for the stretch run. But will the Rams still be alive at that point? For them to be sitting in third place in their division – And the 49ers appear to be on the rise in Seattle, one of the very big surprise teams in the league. And Gino Smith, perhaps a surprise player in the league. (laughs) So it's tough sledding right now for the Rams and Tampa Bay. Brady is still putting up some numbers, but they're just not getting it done there. They're not scoring points. And it's just a really weird, weird year for Tampa Bay and and for – What's going on there for Todd Bowles? And I wouldn't be surprised if he's in a little trouble and feeling the heat down there coming off what's happened in the past for the, for the Bucks. So I'm, I'm going to very shakily <laughs> pick Tampa Bay to win this game at home, but it could easily go either way.
0: Uh, I'll take the Rams. I just think they're a better team right now. I think they'll figure it out. I'm not sure Tampa's going to figure it out. Uh, they just look like a late mess. I think Brady kind of seeded his leadership position with his all the time off he's taken. And they go to Kraft's wedding. I just think he's lost some credibility there. But we'll see. We don't know. Uh, Tennessee at Kansas City. Now, it's easy to pick Kansas City almost any game. But Tennessee is one of those interesting teams that can run the ball. They can beat you up physically. They're playing well right now. Uh, who do you like there?
1: Yeah, I, I, like, I like the Chiefs on Sunday night. The Titans are not a high-scoring team, and Kansas City is so high-scoring, and I think it'll be hard for Tennessee to keep pace with them. They'll certainly want to slow the game down with Derrick Henry, who is coming off a 200-yard game, playing great. But I, 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 I'll take Patrick and the Chiefs any day in this matchup. Uh, no doubt. That's an easy one.
0: All right, Vikings at Washington. Obviously, the Vikings are the better team and the better organization, but as you said, Washington has very strong defensive front that could match up well with the Vikings. Uh, they're playing at home, on grass. They've won three in a row. Taylor Heineken, Heineken's dangerous if you let him hang around. Uh,
1: who do you like here? I think the key stat going into this game is that turnover ratio. The Vikings are plus six on the season, Washington minus four, and yeah, the the commanders have, have talent, especially on that defensive front. And if the Vikings don't give the rookie Ed Ingram some help against Jonathan Allen and Darren Payne inside, it, it could be a very tough day, and they could force some turnovers on Cousins. But I, I do see the Vikings being able to make some headway on the ground in this game. Dalvin, Dalvin Cook has some momentum. The offensive line is, is having a good push. Ingram is... A good run blocker, and Washington is twenty fourth um, or eighteenth against the rush, so they're not quite as stout against the rush. The overall, I, I just see the Vikings having the momentum. I think Darius Smith can make some plays, and Daniel Hunter against a team that has given up twenty six sacks this year, and the Vikings have only allowed fourteen. So that that's a good, certainly a good ratio comparatively. I think the Vikings against the run. Could miss Dalvin Tomlinson if he's out with that calf injury. He's been playing very well, kind of a under-the-radar player, but, but very important inside with Harrison Phillips. The, the commanders have some good receivers to kind of be aware of. Talking about Terry McLaurin has over 500 yards receiving, a couple touchdowns. Dawson, their number one pick. He's only got 12 catches, but four of them are for touchdowns. So, again, what has concerned me all year is that secondary with that bend but not break philosophy. I know they've, they've been forcing turnovers, getting interceptions, but giving up a lot of yards to premier receivers and talking about Tyreek Hill and Deandre Hopkins the last two weeks. Dantzler is playing better this year, but when he gets matched up one-on-one with guys like like Hopkins, it, it hasn't been pretty. And McLaurin is is one of the better receivers in the NFL. And so I'm sure Washington's going to try to get him matched up on Dancer as much as they can. Patrick Peterson, he was having a really good year again, and it was fun to see the passion that he brought to that Cardinal game. I would like to see him in more of that follow the best receiver role. I think that would be very helpful down the stretch as, as they face teams such as for perhaps Stefan Diggs next week <laughs> when they mm-hmm. play Buffalo. <laughs> I, I'd like to see Peterson match up on Stefan and not Dansler or doubling Stefan. That that's gonna be a fun game to look forward to that we'll talk to talk about next week, certainly. But I will take the Vikings in this game. The the three and a half point spread I think is pretty close to right on. I I, I see it a, a three to four point game. I think it's another one-score game. And Greg Joseph better stop missing extra points, by the way, because he's keeping these games one score. Maybe that's why he's doing it. Maybe it's purposeful so that they can say, we're 5-0 and in one score games this year after going 6-8 and eight last year. But Greg Joseph needs to convert these extra points and be a little better on those 50-yard plus field goals like he was last year. He's only one of six this year. And so that that's something to keep an eye on. How is Joseph gonna perform under pressure down the stretch?
0: Yep, no doubt. It's gonna be fascinating to watch. Uh, hey, the Vikings have made this a really fun, interesting season. We'll be back next week to, to talk about the Washington game. We'll also set up a, a really interesting game at Buffalo the following week. Thanks to Jeff. Thanks to our producer Brian Burdett, thanks to Whiteberry Lake Superstore.com and Platinum Bank. And we will be back next week to talk and check out the Viking Update show when you get a chance.